Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners, as always joining you as your humble, I was about to say humble narrator, but I'm not really a narrator at all. I'm actually, in fact, just a podcast host. It's one of my life's ambitions to be a humble narrator, but maybe it'll happen one day. Maybe Hollywood will call me, but not right now. In the meantime, and until that day happens, I will continue to bring you the HR on the Offensive Podcast and love doing it as well. And joining me in the loving of doing it is Adam Morris. Ad, how are you doing? You all right? I'm very good. Thank you, Chris. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So today, you and I are going to have a chat with an organisation who are partners of ours, friends of ours, and a representative who works for WageStream. We're going to talk about a report which they've done, which is the State of Financial Wellbeing, the Cost of Living Report 2022, aren't we? Exactly. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's a big topic and it's one that's in the news a lot. So I'm looking forward to diving in and hearing what is going to be said. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, I think, this one. So let's bring our guests. It's Therese Proctor, who is a representative for WageStream. So Therese, how are you doing? You all right? I'm great, thank you. And it's fantastic to be here. As you say, it's a topic that's on everybody's mind and lips at the moment. I'll give a bit of background to myself. I'm a, a global yeah, advisor for WageStream. I've had the privilege of working for over 30 years in the HR sector. Started life in the Bank of England and did full circle, actually, 30 years in Tesco, of which the last 10 of those was on the Tesco Bank board. I was on the executive committee there. One of the things that struck me while I was working in the bank was just the amount of people that had, and actually across retail, the amount of people that got themselves into financial difficulty. And as a result of that, turned to payday loans. And I guess for me and many of my colleagues, not just in retail, but actually across the HR community, it was like a boardroom dirty secret. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Everybody knew that there was an issue. And it wasn't just frontline, it was actually at every level. So so it was one of the things that was very, very front and foremost in my mind for a long time. Now, for the last six years, I've been working and doing some consultancy work, but still very much within the HR community and the HR world. And I came across WageStream through Peter Briffitt, one of the founders, just over three years ago. And when he spoke to me, it was about the product, which we'll come on to, but it was about the product and about their mission and purpose, which was to really give insight and help to frontline workers and so that people really understood how they were getting their money, when they could spend their money and really how they could make more informed choices. It was the first time I'd seen anything like this in the financial wellness space and as a result of it got very, very animated and delighted actually to have been with them for the last three years in terms of really broadening the product, understanding more about how it can help people and spreading the word. And I think part of the report that delves into this just shows shows the disconnect between employers and employees and why it's so important that we really understand this topic to the point that you, Chris and Adam, are both making. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So do you want to just do a quick maybe one minute on WageStream and the product that they have uh, or the product suite that they have, and then we'll get 
into the detail yeah delving into that detail of the actual uh, cost of living report itself yeah i'd encourage everybody to have a look at wage stream but it's the well-being platform it's been built by charities and a lot of the solutions are charity backed which i think gives confidence to employers it's really a program of four different elements four different products that are in one app the first one being flexible access to pay all month so you can see the shifts that you've worked you can see the shifts that are coming up and down to the last last penny, you can see what you've earned. Now, that's very, very empowering for people. And for many, they don't see that at the moment. The second thing it does, the second product is all around smart budgeting tools. So that gives you your expected pay, but it also shows you your transactions and where they've been spent and what's coming up. So again, that's very, very empowering for people. The third is around automated savings. So we found that lots of people do not save at the moment. And that's because, you know, at the end of the month, you've run out of money, you don't think about savings. But when you see it in one app and you can transfer across you know a few pennies or a few pounds they soon add up so that was a very powerful part of the product offering which is the savings part and the fourth element the fourth product is access to a certified coach 24 7 now one of the things that i found really staggering and it was a stat that I hadn't even understood was that in the workplace the person that an employee feels less likely to want to talk to about financial worries is HR. Now we'll talk about that as the podcast goes through but if that's the case where do people go when there's a stigma, embarrassment, shame around talking about money? Actually what we found is that the coach product is one of the best used elements that we've got. So again, a really, really important part of the offering. Let's delve into the actual report itself. Before we go into some of the specifics, there's some really interesting stats which we've kind of picked out and had a look at at LACE, which we want to kind of ask you about. But before we do that, do you want to just give us a little bit of an overview of what's in the actual report, who was surveyed and why WageStream decided to write the report itself? Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's a charity-backed organisation working with charities to really understand what's on the mind of employees. But it's important that as you survey employees, you also survey HR. And actually, in this report, we also went out to members of the public. So in Q2, I think two and a half thousand employees were spoken to, 300 HR people. In Q4, there was more. There was 5,000 employees spoken to, 600 HR professionals. And also two or 3,000 members of the public. So to get a really broad perspective on what's on the mind of people was really important. And then obviously there's lots of external validation. So there's data sets, but there's also external validation of people like money pensions, etc., that are talking to us about what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. So bringing it all together in one report, I think gives data and insight for HR professionals to say, you know what, there's a whole lot of noise out there. There's facts and figures coming from everywhere. What is it that people that are working right in the heart of financial wellness, what are they asking? What are they seeing? What can we learn from that? But most importantly, what should we be doing? Because if I said to you, January, February, March this year, I speak to HR professionals every day, CPOs, CEOs, I speak to chairs, I speak to NEDs. At the beginning of this year, nobody was talking about 
financial wellness. Oh. I would talk to them about the fears that I had and the energy prices that were rising. And they said, yeah, you know, but we don't hear a lot about that. And in fact, I would go so far as to say and be provocative enough to say that HR professionals were taking their foot off the accelerator on well-being per se. The COVID crisis had reached its peak. It was waning off. People were thinking more about return to work. Wellness, financial wellness and well-being were slipping down the agenda. That started to change in April. And all of a sudden, the focus was then on actually people are talking about this more. There's more in the news. Call it scaremongering. Call it what you like. The fact that the media was talking about it meant that that became the cafe chat, the water cooler chat, the Zoom call chat. What's going on with you? Are you experiencing it? So actually, there was a surge for employees of this conversation starting to really make sense and happen, which I think took a lot of HR professionals by surprise because they were completely on the back foot. And I think what we're seeing now is whilst it's a daily conversation, what we haven't got is daily solutions. And I think that's a good place of, to ask ask that first question, if that's okay, Therese, because I think there's some really interesting stats that have come out of this paper that hit you, I think, on a personal level as much as anything. I know this is a business podcast and, you know, our audience are, are mostly HR directors, payroll directors. But actually, on a personal level, I think there's some really impactful stats here. Things like 70% of employees are, are worrying about money and 28% of those are worrying about that on a daily basis. And there was another one in there as well, about 36 6% of, uh, of, of that 28 are actually struggling to sleep. You know, it's the, causing that much of a, a worry. So on a personal level, I completely understand that. And some of those stats hit hard. I guess my question to you is, is why is this in the domain of businesses? Why should businesses themselves be caring about this? And what can they be doing? You said there's a lack of action on that daily basis, but what can they be doing, large or small, to help address this? Adam, I'll tell you why it's important. And we must remember as well that people that work in the front line and tend to be on a lower scale of wage than perhaps people that work in an office and have got a middle income have always worried about money, but they've always made ends meet. We're in a new territory now. We're in a middle income earners that for the first time ever are starting to dip into their savings and are starting to think about money and the cost of living in a very different way. Now, if you translate that into productivity, every time you're covering up for something, so you're worrying about something and you're not able to bring your whole self to work because you're distracted, 30% of your productivity is lost. Now, that's a huge, huge number that employers and HR professionals and anyone listening to the podcast need to really think about because it's hidden. A person doesn't show up and say, look, I didn't sleep last night because I was worried about money. 30% of my productivity today is going to be lost. But the reality is that's happening. So if one in four aren't sleeping, you know, you've got a bit of an issue in your workplace. Now, we can talk about health and safety if they're operating machinery or if they've got to be at the best in front of customers. The chances are they're output is going to be quite variable. But that's the reality of what you're working on. So why you say why it's important now, that 30% is something that I want people to hold on to, because that's what happens when you're covering up. And that's what's happening now when people are worried about money. Yeah. Can I ask a question just related to that? Do you think it's more that businesses, because it's quite difficult to measure that stuff, they almost just tend to ignore it? Because you can measure the pounds, shillings and pence, you can measure the time somebody's spent doing a particular task there are certain things in business that you can measure and yeah. then there are certain things that are kind of the extension of that like 
you know, I don't think that as many businesses are going to go around starting to measure employees' sleep patterns. It's an important factor, isn't it? We want our people to be happy. We want our people to bring their best selves to work. And this links to it. But I think the awareness isn't as high as it should be. So, you know, when we're working in a world of hybrid working, you've got some people working on screens, you've got a lot of people that don't come into the office for maybe a day a week, maybe a day a month. The chances of you picking up as much as you would have picked up before is less. And you're not, as you say, you're not going to ask people whether or not you're sleeping at night or how their patterns are unless you check in and have conversations with them. And I think that the, you know, you you asked what we could do as employers a lot more. We need to listen and not assume that one size fits all. So, you know, some organisations are saying, oh, well, we'll help you come into work once a week. And some departments, even within the same organisation, are treating people differently. We'll pay for your food on a Friday. I'll take you out on the Thursday. I'll pay some percentages towards your travel. But in the same organisation, another department is dealing with it in a very different way. So, you know, unless we're consistent and unless we really listen, you're going to end up with either a dysfunctional way of working or you're going to end up with people saying, I'm being discriminated and treated differently. So I think now more than ever, HR has got to take a step forward and think about all the ways they can engage with employees to make sure they understand where the pressure points are. And that, without any shadow of a doubt, will link to well-being as well because the two are going hand in hand, as we've seen. And I think that's an interesting point, and it relates to another interesting factor of the report that I found was around the shift of what people are focusing on when, when speaking about their own financial well-being. And I think when we spoke to WageStream earlier this year about the report that was published in November, I think it was last year, and there was a lot around there around building emergency savings. There was almost that kind of that movement of the tectonic plates where people were seeing, can we start to save a bit more? Can we actually start to get a, a bit of a buffer between ourselves and the impending crisis that's coming? The report that has been published today is more around reducing debts. How have you seen kind of the reaction to businesses around that how you found the reaction to people and employees around that shift of focus and what should organizations be looking out for and considering that shift from building savings to reducing debt i don't think a lot of employers are really in tune with what employees are worrying about you know if we look at this report a year ago everything's moved to a more acute position And it's happened in a very, very short space of time. Because what we're seeing is all of a sudden with energy price caps being removed, people are then worrying about the fact, well, I do need to dip into my savings. In some respects, you think, well, actually, if a person's got savings, they should be feeling quite good about the fact that they've got savings and they've got somewhere that they can go. Actually, anxiety levels go up 10% when you've got to dip into your savings. So we already know that a lot of people are taking action. So a lot of people are doing everything that they can can themselves to try and find better credit cards. We're seeing a lot of credit card companies talk to us about moving on to zero credit, taking over funds, transferring where they can, people trying to pay off credit. So that's all good that people are taking some action for themselves to try and reduce their debt because they're saying, well, you know, what have I got? What have I got to pay? Where have I got to reduce that pressure? But that is giving people additional pressure, which is, but if my savings are going, where next do I go? And more and more we're finding that 
each month people are going to friends and family to ask for help. Now, that in itself for some people is embarrassing. Culturally, there's a stigma. We know that some people, 7% have stopped paying their pension contributions. People are looking very quickly, where am I spending my money? Where can I stop that happening? Now, people that have got savings, 15, 20,000 pounds worth of savings, they're less likely to have taken any action yet because they haven't quite felt that pinch. But what we're seeing is a crescendo of action being taken where people are saying, what can I do right now to stop spending what I have to? How can I reduce that debt? What do I do next? And I think then we'll find that people are going to be very, very flat living in terms of I'm only going to pay for what I've got to pay for. We are hearing employers saying that employees are now talking about the fact that they can't afford to come to work. They can't afford the fares. And only this week we saw that hospitality, tourism, leisure, they're all talking about pushing back to the government to say, help us. You know, help us because with the energy prices rising, we're not going to be able to afford to keep our premises open. It's going to have an impact on the staff that we employ. And it's also going to have an impact because we're not going to have consumers coming in. So, again, heightened stories coming out through the press where people start to read that and it starts to have an effect on them. Anxiety goes up, fear goes in and people start to feel despair. And that's a very, very sad state and dark place for people to be in. And I think this leads then to the point we've made several times now around the kind of the social stigma, looking for maybe a better phrase around financial well-being and, and also financial difficulty as well. From a HR perspective and a payroll perspective as well, what are those outliers or those those kind of variables that we should be looking at to maybe just get an insight in terms of how our workforce is doing? I really like that stat you just gave there around pension contributions. Is there anything else where Again, payroll teams can be having a look or HR teams can be seeing that we are having an impact on pension contributions or something else where there might be an issue or there might be a trend within our workforce that we need to address through financial wellbeing. You know, Adam, I'd probably turn that question on its head because I think there's an awful lot that employers think they are doing already. So if you spoke to most employers, they say, you know what, it's it's front and foremost of our mind. We're doing loads to help but there is a big perception gap. So whilst there's a hell of a lot of employers out there saying, we are worrying about this, we are putting some things into place, there's only about 19% of employees that recognise that their employers are doing anything. So what I would say is, if you're doing things, but you're not communicating very well, or you're not talking about the issue, which is financial wellness, then actually all the great work that you're doing could be lost. What I think employers do need to do that they're not doing is to actually have individual conversations with people because everybody's situation is different. And research that came out from Lancaster University suggests also that if you're of an ethnic background, if you're female, if you're disabled, you are more likely to be impacted by these issues even more greatly. So if you have that as a consideration, but you talk individually to the people and ask them what they need, 
then you might get more themes and actions that you can take as an organisation. For instance, if you're a parent, it may be that you've got to juggle your work commitments and go home earlier, but you don't want to be seen, you know, you don't want that stigma of saying, oh, that person's gone home early, but you might be able to work and be more flexible later. So what can you put in place? And I think, you know, hopefully this isn't going to go on forever. This will be something that happens and we have to weather this storm and we have to work out our processes. But in order for everything to catch up, what we do in the here and now is going to be very, very reliant on what it is that people need right now. And that takes more of an individual approach. Now, I said earlier that the person that you feel less likely to go to in work is HR. Now, that, again, is a big issue if the responses to this are coming out from the HR function. So think about, is there another way in which you can capture that individual data? Is there questionnaires that you can hold? Is there an external company that can come in? One of the things that WageStream have have done really successfully, I'm sure at least you pride yourself in doing this as well. You can go in independently, non-judgmentally, and talk to organisations about what's on the mind of their employees. And we know that employees feel more likely to speak to a complete stranger about their financial health and attitude towards money than they do internally talking to a colleague, a boss or HR. I think it's a great question, Adam, but I think it starts with listening, then understanding and then thinking about what policies and processes you can drive that help. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And you took the words right out of my mouth because I was just going to say, how important do you think it is? What I'm hearing is it's all about listening. But you've just answered that question. So I'm going to move on to the next one. An interesting stat <laughs> just from the report there was from the November 21 report, 52% of employees thought their employer cared about their financial health. And now it says 22% did not. So sorry, these figures now stand at 30 and 35. So there's a dip in yeah. perception. And maybe there's also then that dip in the perception. Well, maybe my employer was listening to me during the pandemic because they were forced into it because we'd all been sent home. Whereas now they're listening a little bit less. I don't know. But what I want to do is move us on to that third section. This is going to be a really interesting section for people listening in. The section three is about how can you better support your people as living costs rise? So it's some practical advice and guidance. It's not just let's just give you some stats about how people that we've spoken to are feeling and some of the challenges that are. Here's some things that you can do right now. So can you just for the last sort of few minutes that we've got, give us a bit of an overview of some of those key sections that are in that section three and the advice that WageStream give to employers? Yeah, I mean, for me, it comes down to what can you do to take and alleviate pressure on employees so that they can perform and be of their best? We know that when you help an employee, they are likely to talk about you five times more positively. All that discretionary effort they're going to give you because you show that you care. But you can only do that if you take some action. Now, one of the staggering points that came to light through the whole cost of living is that there is money available to people that are on low incomes that they're not even attuned to. And one of the things that WageStream really helped me understand is just how you can access money or support that's government backed and charity backed that you might not even be aware of. And we're talking about billions sitting in a pot that people can get access to if they're on a particular threshold of wages. So I think the education around what's available for you, if you're in debt, how can you consolidate some of those debts? How can you get support to understand where your money can be spread 
more effectively, I think is really, really helpful. So that it stops you going to short term loans, it stops you going to loan sharks, and God forbid, it stops you going to these wage lenders that charge you an astronomical amount of money that then affects your credit score. All of those things really don't help people. And I was surprised at how many people actually couldn't afford some of the products that were on offer because their credit history was either poor or they didn't have a credit history. You see it very often with people that have been in relationships maybe for a long time that have never had their own credit on their own, that all of a sudden they're trying to get credit and they're not accepted. And that in itself is really tough for people. Or they do an experience check and they say, no, you're never going to get credit. So without understanding the reasons why or how they can get that credit to be increased, they get themselves into further misery. So I think the link to wellness and health has got to be something that we that we as HR professionals get re-energised about and understand the direct link on financial wellness. The two go hand in hand. But giving people those thoughts around where they access, how they can access more help, what charities are there to support them, where they can get money from, and actually find some way internally that they can talk to people, I think is helpful. And there's other people like WageStream, but I think if you've never heard of it, if you've never seen it, check it out. Because what it offers is something I think quite powerful that will definitely help your organisation. So one of the bits in the that kind of advice and guidance section talks around do your bit to help to destroy the money stigma. I guess what I'm thinking is if I'm a HR director or a HR team at the moment, is it incumbent on us as a team to be that front line of defence, do you think, to help to support people to destroy? Like, how do I actually go about doing that, I guess, is my question. I always think that my job as a HR professional is to serve. Yeah, You can think that you're as important as you want to be, but actually we're no better than anybody and we shouldn't think that we are in our profession. We should be there to serve others. At the moment, if we look at the pinch points for our employees, it's around money. Now, we need to be mindful of the fact that they don't particularly want to talk to us, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be the guiding force in terms of how we support our employees. It is probably the most important lever that you've got right now in your people strategy. And there's going to be those that actually make a really good job of this listen to their employees and start to act. And there's going to be those that, like we said, don't really want to lift the bonnet because when they do, it's pretty ugly. But the winners in this are going to be the ones that listen. The ones that have got the most engaged employees, the ones that have got the happiest employees are going to be those that listen, that care, show they understand and flex the policies. It's in our gift to flex policies. And if we have to have a paradigm shift around flexibility, then do it. Do it because you're going to need to do it. Otherwise, you'll lose great people and you'll lose them either because they're going to lie to you or they're going to leave you anyway. But that productivity stat is really important because if your person isn't feeling of their best, if you're not helping them, they're not going to show up. That's a fantastic kind of way to wrap up today's podcast, actually. That was a real soapbox moment. I could feel the energy there. (laughs) I loved it. So just before we wrap up, though, is there anything else from the report that you just wanted to draw out that maybe we haven't today? I mean, we will, of course, put a link to the report in the show notes so people can read it themselves. But just any sort of final thoughts from you before we, we wrap up? The other thing I'd say is that when you have data and insight, you can act on it. We all have a gut feel of things. We all have what we read and what we see. But actually, when you read 
something that's been put together as thoughtfully as this has been. It really helps you to talk to your boards and to your colleagues around what's important and what matters. And it's current. So I would say read the report, take the learnings from it. But the most important thing is that you take the time to know your organisation and then act on it. Because what's right for me, what's right for you, what's right for someone else in their organisation might look and feel different. It's not a competition. Don't look at what your competition are doing. Look to what's right for your organisation and your people, because that's what matters most. Absolutely brilliant. Therese, thank you so much for coming on today just oh, to, talk to, us about the, uh, talk to us about the report. It's a really fascinating report. As I said, we will put links into our show notes. And obviously, when we push this out through our social media, we'll, uh, we'll give people an opportunity to download the white paper as well. Adam, thank you for joining me, sir. Thank you as always, Chris. Thank you, Therese. Thank you. It's great spending time with you both. Lovely to spend time with you both. Thank you very much for coming. You can, of course, listen to this podcast through however you get your podcasts, although you probably already know that because if you're listening to it now, you're probably already listening to it through its normal feed. But if you fancy doing it a different way, we're on the website, lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast. There's a whole other range of different channels which you can get access to. Those are just a few that we are available on. We're pretty much available pretty much anywhere else. You can tell your Amazon Alexa if you like. Let me listen to the latest edition of the HR on the Offensive podcast and you will get access to it. Thank you very much to Therese, my guest. Thank you very much to Adam, my fellow Lace Partner in Crime. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.